This is pop culture critic John Tatey welcoming you back to Pop Mom, the smash hit podcast where my mom, <laughs> Bonnie Tatey, shares her view of pop culture, small town life, and the riddles of human nature. On this episode, Mom reviews the holiday classic movie, A Christmas Story. Let's bring Mom in now. Hi, Mom. Hi, Johnny. It's been a little while again, and uh, I have to apologize to the listeners. I was sick as a dog for quite a stretch. Yeah. About as sick as I have been maybe in my adult life it was it was bad it was really that bad i uh, was in bed with a fever for five days and just the worst sore throat of my life and for a few days i was just tasting blood all the time blood mixed with snot it's not as delicious as it might sound sounds like eggnog to me (laughs) Um, but i am fully recovered now Yay. I, however, am still suffering minor effects from the cold I contracted from your children when I was there. Hmm, that was quite a while ago, Mom. Yeah, I know. It was a woozy, a doozy, I mean. <laughs> and I have not had any eggnog. <clears throat> <laughs> you had quite an exciting trip recently. Tell the folks about it. I did. Well, for Christmas this year, Jenna gave me a trip to New York City to see the Rockettes and a play. And a play. What was the play? Uh, The Prom. That's a musical then, right? Well, yes, I'm sorry. A musical. Yeah. Well, you should be sorry. Well, uh, yes. I am. I am. I'm really sorry. I'm going to go right to church as soon as we're we're done here to ask forgiveness. We saw the that both of those things, we saw the Rockettes, where Jenna knows one of the Rockettes. Wow. And we got to, yeah, we got to meet her. And also a member of the musical, she she knows also. So we got to meet her after the musical. Wow, See, what I'm a trip. I'm using the word musical. Yeah, it was great. It was, it was, it was very exciting to be in New York. It was cold and you know, everything is adorned in Christmas yeah. regalia, and it's just quite a place to be. And to share it with Jenna was very, very special, very special. Jenna is my little sister, in case we didn't mention that. Uh, what a wonderful gift. It I'm, really was. Hey, by the way, uh, I'm not going to be able to top that, so just lower your expectations now, <laughs> okay? Yes, they're lowered. Now, there was, I don't know if there still is, but there was a year or two ago on Netflix, um, they had a Rockettes show on there, a Christmas show, and it was extremely boring. But you had a good time in person. Oh, my God. It's just, it's magical. There's so much going on all the time. The Rockettes are just so full of energy that they somehow convey into the audience, but there's there's a, uh, a secondary story that goes on with it, you know, about believing in Santa and such, and it was um, very cute. So there's, you know, while the Rockettes are taking a cigarette break, these, this other <laughs> story comes on, and very, there's just, it's just engaging from the beginning to end. Now, I, I and I know people think it's hokey, but to me it was very... Um, glitzy. I love glitz. I love sequins. I, you know, I love all that stuff. 
there's a there's a live orchestra that plays mm-hmm. and uh, two organists that come out at certain times and play. It's it was it was just beautiful. Well, I'm so glad you it enjoyed it. So, so you highly recommend the Rockettes, and I imagine you recommend the Prom as well. Did you enjoy the musical? Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Such talent. People just putting it out there. When you come from a little town like we do, mm-hmm. I have to say I feel a little starstruck when I when I get around all that. Yeah. Country mouse in the big city. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Trying to not look like a country mouse in the big city. How'd you get down there? We went down on the on the Dartmouth coach. Ah, uh, the it's Dartmouth good. coach. Yes, the uh, transportation hub, really, of New Hampshire. <laughs> well, we do have an airport. That's true. But that's that's the preferred way to go because you can leave. We we didn't the the six o'clock bus was full, but you can leave it. One also, I guess I'm not sure that runs every day, but in five hours you're in New York City. So if you go on the six o'clock, it's just like sleeping in late and arriving in New York City. Mm, six a.m. Oh yeah, I love to get up for a six a.m. bus. That's the stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do want to say the Dartmouth coach is very comfortable. They have Wi-Fi that can be a little uh, less than reliable, but they show horrible vintage movies and then some episodes of television shows so oh tv shows oh i never had that back in the day what did they play on your on your trip in terms of the movies we they had the same movie in both directions and it was about a german shepherd dog uh it might have been called max but i'm not sure because i didn't watch it either way they used to run scrooged uh when I would write it, the Bill Murray, uh, in fact, yeah. based on a Christmas Carol, another Christmas movie, uh, just like yeah. the one we're talking about today. Although not just like it, because Scrooge is is not as good as a Christmas story, but uh, it's it's fine, I guess. Well, this is this is the only complaint I have. Yep. And that's because that's who I am. But you know, the bus driver says, uh, you know, spread out. There's only thirteen of us on the trip home, and very nice. Except that there there was a a couple on there. The guy had a half hour conversation on the telephone, kind of irritating. Mm-hmm. And the woman behind us took her shoes off and was just laying back there wiggling her toes, which <laughs> I think is gross. <laughs> bare were her feet bare? They were bare. They, there was no socks. So like. <laughs> I think the bus driver should be more specific when he says spread out and get comfortable. You're not at home in your living room. Where were the feet exactly? Like in the aisle? In the aisle. Like that you have to scrunch by them if you're going to go use uh, the the bathroom. Uh, and did you use the bathroom on the bus? Oof. Yes, you have to. Who can go five hours? I always did. I don't want to use that bathroom. Well, I felt like Kramer in there because I was bouncing off the walls like... <laughs> crazy uh and (laughs) until you can get yourself situated you know you're at the mercy of the potholes and whatnot in the road so i was bouncing off the walls and i finally got myself all situated and the door opened oh lord (laughs) yeah yeah talk about a, a country bumpkin here i am 
Oh, God. Well, at least you weren't there to see it. I like well, that. Nobody saw it. <laughs> I like Go that ahead. image of you feeling like Kramer. That's <laughs> like Kramer bursting through the door. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then, of course, I started laughing at myself. And, you know, and I'm just thinking, you're just making this worse. Just do yeah. your stuff and get the heck out of here. But, of course, now I'm sitting here laughing at myself, so I can't really. It was just it was just a mess. It was a mess. But at least I didn't wet my pants. So there you go. Yeah, that's good. Good job. Yeah, that's what I said. So I just would suggest that you keep your shoes on when you're traveling because it's disgusting to me. <laughs> well, I don't mind if you take your shoes off on the airplane, say, and you're in your socks as long as your feet are in a foot-appropriate place. But sticking your bare feet into the aisle, I'm with you. You can't be doing that. Come well, on. Well, I'm going to disagree with you because people don't know what proper etiquette is. And one one time when I was coming to see you in the summertime, some guy came on and took his flip-flops off and proceeded to have a good scratch Ugh. with his hands on his feet. It was gross. <laughs> well, again, I'm not a... I did specify socks. And yes, please, no, no scratching. Yeah. Really so, and really, no feet. If you can, if you can accommodate that, you just don't want to. You don't want to think about feet at all on your I trip. I don't. Yeah. Okay. I don't because I, I just don't think you know people pay enough attention to their feet, and I don't want to see them or smell them. Mm, that's really the thing, isn't it? It is. Well, it hasn't just gotten off to a cheery Christmas. Yeah, start. hasn't it though? <laughs> Hang your stockings by the uh, chimney with care, I guess, uh, but keep some stockings on your own feet, too. That's right. That's right. Everybody. And I did read that the that, that air, what do we call them? I, I have Stewardesses. no... Oh, flight, uh, flight attendants, yeah. Do not like you to take your shoes off. Oh, is that so? Yeah. Hmm, okay. Keep your shoes on. All right, that's Mom's public service announcement. Uh, should we talk about this uh, movie, Mom, that both you and I have seen a hundred times? At least, yes. Okay. Let's do that. This week, Mom and I are talking about A Christmas Story. First released in 1983, A Christmas Story gradually grew into an American tradition through the magic of TV reruns. Based on the writing of essayist Gene Shepard and narrated by Same, A Christmas Story follows the Christmastime exploits of young Ralphie Parker, who desperately wants a Red Ryder BB gun under the tree. The movie has very little plot and is instead presented as a series of nostalgic vignettes that evoke the emotional highs and lows of the world as seen through the eyes of a nine-year-old boy. Here's a clip. What do you want for Christmas, little boy? My mind had gone blank. Frantically, I tried to remember what it was I wanted. I was blowing it, blowing it. Come on, kid. How about a nice uh, football? 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 What's a football? Without conscious will, my voice squeaked out. Football. Okay, get him out of here. A football? Oh, no. What was I doing? Wake up, stupid. Wake up. No. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Merry Christmas. 
A Christmas Story is available to rent or buy on most major streaming services, and you might be able to catch it on TV this Christmas season. Just keep an eye out for it. It pops up once in a while. Mom, does this Christmas story still find a place in your heart? Yeah. Oh, good. (laughs) It does. I don't need to see the whole thing. But you did, right? Well, yes. But first, let me ask you. Do you look at that and think how historic it is because it's really out of your day and age you know it's like set in the 40s so yeah it's like the early 40s right before the war it seems well what do you mean what do you mean do i look at that and the movie came out in the early 80s and really was discovered i mean we had it on vhs and we used to put it on um it was on tv a lot so it was part of my childhood so what's what what is the question, really? Well, the question is sort of, do you relate to it all? I mean, was wanting a Nintendo the same as wanting a, a BB gun? Yes, you know, I think what is so striking about the movie is that it manages to tap into a universal childhood experience of Christmas, while also being very nostalgic for a specific period of the American Midwest, let's say. It's um, right. It's middle America. It's, you know, Gene Shepard has never been totally specific about what year it is, but it's clearly pre-war, and it's after The Wizard of Oz, which is 1939. So it seems to be, you know, late 30s, early 40s is the, is the yeah. setting, generally. It manages to be specific to a time, and yet general, I think, to the experience of Christmas as a kid. And as a parent... Because watching it, I hadn't seen it in a few years, Mom. I've never sympathized with the old man (laughs) as much as I did watching this. So just to flesh it out for people who haven't seen it, um, it revolves around Ralphie. He's nine years old. He's got a little brother uh, and his parents who are unnamed. They're just in the credits as Ralphie's mother and the old man. Darren McGavin plays the old man, and he's just phenomenal. hilarious as this yeah as this um crotchety profane uh <laughs> wheeling and dealing old man he's just he's perfect and all his eye rolls at the kids and he i sympathized with him so much in a way that i never had before <laughs> i had little kids you know, well, isn't that interesting? It is interesting because you know, now I got two toddlers banging around the house, and there was that, there was that scene when they're in the car and they're all just singing Jingle Bells, barely even singing it, just screaming it, right? And the old man's yeah. in the front, just kind of rolling his eyes. And Ma, I had basically that experience two days ago. We took Leo and Eve out to the Illinois Railway Museum and rode the holiday train. And Leo was all full of holiday cheer after that and was just singing Jingle Bells on repeat uh, during a stretch on the drive home. And I'm just gripping the steering wheel. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you need to develop. You need to to develop a little room in your brain where you can go in and shut the door. It just has to be standing space (laughs) where you can just go in and shut the door. You need to develop that. Well, I was just charmed anew by 
this movie and there's little bits of it that haven't aged so well i don't know if they do the um you know i was watching it and i started to watch um you know one of the last scenes is there at the chinese restaurant because the bumpus's dogs have eaten the christmas turkey and there's the far ra 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 scene where the guys can't pronounce um the deck the halls properly and i started to watch that and i was like hmm, i'm not sure if they film this scene today but then they even have they have the owner of the restaurant who's also a chinese guy or of some asian descent they're not really specific about it yeah um, but it's a chinese restaurant and he's the one correcting them so it's not you know i think that they soften the blow of that it's i'm amazed i was amazed again and again about how they it's not a, a cynical movie and it's not a mean movie. And even right. if some of the just there's a few little cultural moments that show that this was a movie made 35 years ago, but it ages pretty well, I thought. I thought so, too. I thought so, too. And I think because it stayed to the theme of Christmas. Yeah. And right. the children's values and what the parents want it to be. And it's certainly not the extravaganza that it is today. Which is a shame, I think, in many ways. What do you mean by that? The extravaganza? It's very simple. You know, it's yeah. very, you know, you're going to get a pair of pajamas under the tree and you're going to get, you know, stuff that you need and the, and a couple of little things. And then there's going to be the gift, the, the BB gun, the Nintendo, the mm-hmm. bike, mm-hmm. whatever. You know, it isn't, I think now we've really... I think we've lost a lot of the symbolism and meaning in in giving things that are so maybe extravagant that mm-hmm. have lost their meaning. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you think of many meaningful gifts after you have children? There's nothing more meaningful in the world yeah. that can come wrapped up in a package. Well, and the I mean, the movie gets at that, too. I mean, it's a for such a seemingly simple movie there's a lot of nuance to it um and it it gets at the experience of the parents i think with the you know i love the old man getting the bowling ball right and that became a catchphrase in our family you know it's no not a single christmas would go by without someone saying it's a bowling ball um darren mcgavin's delivery is so funny but there's nothing really that he wants, and he just kind of shrugs off everything that that he gets. It's not about him. Right. Right. And he accepts and... that. His present is the turkey. <laughs> Which he's... Sadly does not meet a happy ending. Yeah. Well, unless you're one of the Bumpus's dogs. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I think because it's told from Ralphie's point of view... It always makes me feel excited about Christmas, yeah. Which I certainly lost over the years. You know, there's as a, as the parent, there's so much that goes into it. You have to plan presents for everyone, and the decorating, and the dinner, and you know, there's a lot of logistics that go into it. I feel like an air traffic controller sometimes, and so that excitement that you used to feel as a kid which is a feeling that I associate with Christmas, is not always there. Yeah, it's hard to get that back. Now, having children, little children like you have, maybe 
maybe you get to experience that again. I don't really remember. Yes. I mean, I certainly, I'm looking forward to this year. Last year, Leo was, had just turned two and Eve was just a peanut. Right. So he had fun, but I don't know how much he really knew what was going on. This year, I think he's going to be more, much more aware. And I think it's going to be a little more magical this year. I'm certainly looking forward to it. But yeah, it's, it's all about them. And, and you've heard that forever, but it's the truth. Yeah, it is the truth. Now, have you ever read anything else by Gene Shepard? No, I haven't. So maybe you would like to do that, I think. I think I would, because he's, you know, the narration at times, maybe because I've heard it so, ma- so many times, on this viewing, there were, I thought the narration poured it on a little thick at times, um, even though it's an essential part of the movie and often very funny. It felt a bit heavy at times to me, but... Yeah. That said, overall, Gene Shepard's voice just brings a, a warmth and richness and gives that nostalgic point of view to the film. Because the proceedings yeah. are told from nine-year-old Ralphie's point of view, but in a sort of, uh, you know, Wonder Years style before the Wonder Years was around. Right. It's, That's right. It's this double lens because it's really viewed from nine-year-old Ralphie all grown up. It's contextualized that way, at least. Um, Anna, uh, my wife, uh, was who watches it with me this time, she's seen it before as well, but she said while we were watching it, you know, how much do you feel is true to life and how much of what we're seeing is filtered through Ralphie's memory? And... Obviously, there are these fantasy sequences, right, that we know are, you know, right. sort of Ralphie's mind running away with itself. But then there's also things like the the box that the leg lamp comes in. When they're wheeling oh, that in, yeah. it's so enormous. And uh, it's just they can barely get it through the door. And to me, that's a bit of um, savvy prop design that, of course, it would be larger than life to Ralphie. You know, yeah, they make it huge because to Ralphie, thigh high Ralphie, of course, it would seem like the most enormous thing ever. And the way that the old man reacts to it would make it even larger. So I think it's even outside the fantasy sequences, it has Ralphie's um, kid lens applied to it very shrewdly. Well, and and the when when it's actually revealed what it is, this leg lamp. Uh, this this major award, I don't think he really knows what to feel because there's been such excitement about it and the trip to the freight place to pick it up and his dad is just over the moon. And he, I think he still would like to be over the moon, but, you know, it's a lamp. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Ralphie... You know, Ralphie doesn't quite know how to interpret the tension that this clearly injects into his parents' relationship. His parents, right, know. right. Um, they can't really have the fight that they might want to have if the kids weren't there, or that his mom right. at least wants to have. There's some things she'd like to say. And it really captures that swirl of emotions so, so nicely. Um, it does. Let me ask you, there is a sequence in which... Ralphie, who's had a very bad day at school, 
had his Christmas Christmas theme receive a C plus, and he's just at a very low ebb. And he's walking home, and he's accosted once again by the local bully, Scut Farkas. Scut Farkas, An amazing yeah. name for a character. And Ralphie beats the tar out of him, just snaps and beats the tar out of him. And uh, the way it plays out is that his mom comes and collects him and takes a look at him and tells him to just go lie down and settle down. And when his dad gets home, the kids are bracing oh. themselves for this, and she really doesn't say much about it she mentions it but she does it in such a way that she knows that the old man will move on she quickly changes the subject and just makes him aware of it but doesn't prompt any reaction from him and Anna and i sort of had a conversation about was she being a good mom here just sort of moving on after he was beating up this kid and I said, I think she's being a great mom because she looked at Ralphie and saw that he was in tears and saw that he had learned something about himself. Like, this isn't him. Yeah. He's not a, he's right. not a kid who's going to start the fight. Like, she knew her son well enough to understand that he didn't need the old man to read him the riot act. And I just right. think it's a beautiful... I love that part of the movie because I just think it's great momming happening right there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And just the threat of your father is going to step in at some point was was enough, you know, because I, I think back in the day, moms didn't have that much power, if hmm. you will. Yeah. Interesting. You know, it was always wait till your father gets home or and she read that whole thing and said, well, that was enough. And, and I'm going to leave it here. So I agree with you. I think it was great momming. It's funny you say that she doesn't have that much power because in the prof when he uses the profanity helping the old man with the flat tire, she's the enforcer. Right. Well, that offends her. You know that that that's the thing that that, <laughs> that rubs up against her. So she handles that in her her way. Yeah, you sympathize with that. I'm trying to think about when I cared about stuff like that. Ralphie's mom washes his mouth out with soap. Did you have that sort of punishment when you were little? No, I didn't have. I only got spanked one time and it was because I crossed the street. But I had uh, an adult uh, or an older kid help me cross the street. So when I got home, uh, my father gave me a whack on the bottom and ate the licorice lollipop out of this lollipop bouquet that my mother had. <laughs> and that was my punishment. I think the real punishment would have been for you to have to eat the licorice lollipop. <laughs> Ugh, that's oh, just... There was always a big fight over that one. Ugh, that's as bad as the Life Boy soap that Ralphie has to suck on in this movie. <laughs> well... The soap looked like a piece of plastic, so I wouldn't worry about it too much. So the movie is, like I said, really a series of vignettes. There's, you know, there's connective tissue in in yes. the form of the leg lamp and the, you know, the air rifle and all that. But it's it's it's, and I think this is what made it so popular on TV is you can drop in at any time and you really exactly you don't need to catch up. Um, but uh, which which one, on this latest watching, was there any particular vignette that hit you particularly hard or was particularly funny that stuck out for you? To me, the the part that I've always found funny and that I've always enjoyed 
is the chaos that happens when the Bumpus's dog comes in to steal the food. Yeah. And I, I really enjoy that. And the other thing that this, and this part reminds me of my childhood, sadly, but is when the father goes down to the basement to fix the furnace that is continually in need of some tinkering of some kind. And that's his job. That's his job. But the tension that it creates while it's going on, that's the kind of tension that I grew up with in my household for some reason, probably because my parents were very incompatible. But that tension (laughs) is very familiar to me. Yeah. Um, because Boo would would be fixing things or just because it was tense? Oh, house? my God. In your dreams. No, because he would <laughs> leave his apple core on the arm of the sofa or he would, you know, leave the newspapers strewn around. And my mother kept house like it was an operating room. <laughs> so there was just, there was always tension. There was just always tension. And you never knew when it was going to arrive or who it was going to be focused on. It was just nerve-wracking. It was nerve-wracking. I'm sure that's why I have a nervous stomach, because I was always afraid it was going to be me. Oh, that's sad. Well, you know, that's how it was. But it's a familiar, uh, unpleasant, but it's a very familiar feeling to me. Now, I feel that the parents in this uh, movie are compatible. Do you agree on the whole? Yes. Yes, there's the, te- oh, yeah. there's the tension over the furnace and maybe over the um, constantly blowing, blowing fuses and whatnot, but, um, and the leg lamp, I should, I should mention. Yes. Um, but Don't make little. I noticed, again, I noticed details as a, watching this as a parent for the first time. Um, yeah. When Ralphie does say the F word and his dad tells the old man tells him to get back in the car. There's a quick moment at the end of um, the exchange between the old man and Ralphie as Ralphie's walking away where the old man kind of smirks. Like he, he finds it kind of funny. I just loved it because he knows that the mom's going to handle it. Right. Um, Right. And she'll she'll do whatever she wants. And he allows himself a moment to kind of enjoy the the kid using a bad word, you know, and I I just loved that. I've never noticed that little move before, but I just love that as a dad myself and understanding like sometimes when they're bad, it's pretty funny. And you're weirdly proud of them (laughs) in a way. And I think I just feel like also, like I said, he knows she's going to handle it and they have an understanding of the sort of division of parenting labor. And it's a little asymmetrical. Uh, There's also a moment where the mom's about to sit down and finally have a bite for herself. (laughs) Right. And the old man says, can I have some more of this cabbage? And the expectation is that she gets up to get it for him. And. So there's that, you know, they include that bit of um, unfairness that's documented in the movie, too. But on the whole, they're a pretty good team, aren't they? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. And you have to remember that, you know, that was the wife's job. Hmm. You know, she ran the home. She ran the she ran the home. So that was her job to serve and, you know, prepare the meal, serve, clean up. He would be. On the, 
you know, like on the moon, if he, he had to do that part of light. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. He's, he's always hiding behind that newspaper, too. Yeah. When he just doesn't want yeah, to. He's, he's keeping that line sharp. Yeah, that's right. Johnny, let me go back and say this. Though. Okay, yeah. That, that when you were when you were in elementary school and the first year you went to the new school and we got a call that you and a friend had been in the bathroom slamming the doors and kicking them and everything, I was very delighted to get that call. Really? Yes, because if you can remember, you were quite a trial in trying to fit you in some place that, that would challenge you, but that you were, you know mature enough to also handle the children you know you were a little a little universe unto yourself really you went to you went to first grade for what two 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 weeks weeks, and then they skipped me to second and then i understand they were gonna skip me to third and you said no right because you know you you needed to catch up socially with Socially, yeah. But you were always, you know, follow the rules and you did everything. And, you know, you weren't, you just did everything that you were told, more or less, outside of the house. And um, when they called and said, Donnie and and Sean were trying to wreck the, the brand new bathroom, I was just so delighted that you were finally, I guess this is a terrible story, but... You know, you were fitting in. You were... Yeah. Well, this is a terrible story. No, it's not. No, it's not. I get it. So, you know, we the, the school called and said this was going on. And I don't really remember what happened, but I do remember going to Daddy and saying, oh, he's perfectly normal. You know, I was so happy. I was just so happy. Not, you know, not that you were destroying something, because really... Those those bathrooms were, were built to take some abuse, but that's not the point. The point is that I felt like you were coming into your own, and I was so delighted with that. Wow, I've never heard that side of the story. I mean, I remember the incident quite well, as you can imagine, but um, I'm so charmed to hear that. I get it. I mean, isn't it similar, Mom, to the scene we were talking about where Ralphie's mom, she doesn't want him to be fighting or, you know, roughing up other right. kids in the neighborhood, but she understands the context. She's a little bit proud that he stuck up for himself. Like, she must yeah. know that this kid's the neighborhood bully. She knows the deal here, right? Sure. She's, she's a little bit proud he stuck up for himself, and she can tell that he's not a monster. He's, this is not who he is. Um, right. So she takes it for what it is, and it sounds like that's what you did with the bathroom door-kicking incident. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And for what it's worth, I was not kicking the doors. I was more of a um, encourager. Oh, well, let me call them and tell them that now. (laughs) Sean did the kicking. I was really just the appreciative uh, and encouraging audience Audience. for the kicking. Yeah. And then one day the door came clean off and the game changed in an instant. Okay, that's great. I'm glad that we have now pieced together. I feel like we've just done Sherlock Holmes. That's right. Um, 
I also noticed this time that Randy gets a Zeppelin, and it's kind of an ominous gift, isn't it? You know, this movie is set in the early 40s on the precipice of war, and there's just little hints at it. I really interpreted the Zeppelin this time as symbolizing um, an imminent change in the world, that this is the the end of an era um, in a way, and that there's going to be a war and we're going to come out on the other side of it, a very different America um, in terms of our presence on the world stage and our modernity. Him getting that Zeppelin and that being such a prized gift, um, this symbol of German achievement. Yeah. It's there's nuances in this film that I have never noticed before. See, I always got that part. Yeah, I bet you did. My mind was a steel trap. Every pore vibrated. It was almost clear. Yes, 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 yes. Be sure to drink your Ovaltine. Ovaltine? A crummy commercial? Son of a bitch. I went out to face the world again. Wiser. You know, I really felt Ralphie's disappointment with the Little Orphan Annie decoder ring even more keenly this time. Because I realize now... Oh, really? The way he puts it is, all this for a crummy commercial. Right? Yeah. Because let me tell you, waiting for something to come in the mail that you knew you were going to get mail. Mail used to be a huge thing. Yeah. Like you're saying, expecting a piece of mail, it was all about the anticipation, really. Um, That was the fun of it, was expecting this decoder ring in the mail. The actual decoding was was a total letdown, as it inevitably would be, I suppose. And and yet, isn't it also the same with Christmas, that the anticipation, yeah. which could never live up to, <laughs> you know, the actual event never, never measures up to the anticipation. Don't you think? Well, as a kid, I think it does. Yeah. And, and also all the faith that he puts in all these avenues, his teacher, you know, she, she wields such power. She's going to make sure he gets this gun and he's going to talk to Santa and he's going to make sure he gets this gun. I mean, he is doing everything in his power to get this one present that he wants. You've really hit on something that I was thinking as I watched it this time, which is, wow, this movie is just a series of disappointments for Ralphie, (laughs) right? I mean, it's really the scales fall from his eyes throughout this movie. It's more of a coming of age story than I realized in the past. Yeah. Because he is seeing the world as it is. And it's just one disappointment after another. Uh, Santa? Yeah, that, that that's an all-time great Santa scene. One of the best and, to me, most true-to-life depictions of Santa Claus I've ever, yeah. you know, that has ever been put on film. The way that they, you know, have the fisheye lens when Ralphie's finally sitting on his lap and everything's distorted and, and you know, he can't get his bearings. <laughs> Talk about the actual event not living up to the anticipation. That's Santa right. for sure, right? Because right. when it comes yeah. down to it, you're sit, you're just sitting on some stranger's lap. It's it's a ritual purely for the parents. What child has ever really enjoyed? 
sitting on Santa's lap. Maybe there's a little window right. of, of perhaps, but really it's all about getting a picture of something that doesn't exist. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Let's let's make sure we have a memory of this that doesn't. It's not even real, but let's make a memory of it. Yeah. God, that's weird. So, what's your grade for a Christmas story, Mom? Ooh, part nostalgia, part part everything. I'm going to give it an A. It just yeah. has to be part of the holidays. Yeah. And uh, I I think um, kudos to Gene Shepard for creating such a story. And I think you should read some of his other stuff. I will. I will. I think we should also give a tip of the hat to Bob Clark, who directed the movie. Yeah, I don't know him. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. What's your recommendation, Mom? My recommendation is to get yourself a loaf of panettone bread. I know you've seen it. I know you think you hate it. But bring it home, slice it up, put it in the toaster, and then you can even throw it out if you want. It's just the smell of it all. But put a little butter on it, and it is delicious. All right. Panettone. Well, that'll do it for this week's edition of Pop Mom. Mom and I will be back next week to talk about more pop culture. What should we talk about, Mom? Any ideas? Uh, Definitely something interesting. Something interesting. But probably another, in all honesty, probably another holiday classic, right? We're going to be doing holiday classics all all this month of December. Ooh, maybe I'll pick this time. Okay, you think about that. Uh, and thanks, right. everybody, for listening. If you enjoy the show, tell your friends. Consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever. Uh, we sure are happy to have you as listeners. We're very grateful. We love you. Mom and I will talk to you again next week. Bye for now, Mom. Bye, Tony. I love you. Love you, too. Love you, too.